Welcome to the Growth Gradient Podcast, an exploration of life's many intricacies and wonders. In our multifaceted world, few things are as cut and dry as they appear, especially when it comes to our personal growth, career, and mental health. We are here to accompany you in navigating this voyage of life to inspire those aha moments that ignite the spark of purpose, build profound connections, and foster emotional resilience. We want to build a community that champions vulnerability and compassion because life is not a solitary quest, it's a shared adventure. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your host, Denalex. Let's, Let's embark, embark on, on this journey, journey together. together. It's our first in-person episode. I know, it's our first in-person episode. Yeah, today we're actually sitting in the same room, even though we have like three different cameras on. (laughs) But today we actually have a very special guest (laughs) who is sitting on my right. And she brings a very unique blend of expertise to the table. So we have Susie, and uh, she is a really good friend of ours. And although she has a background in big tech and startups as a software engineer, she's also very deeply passionate about exploring intricate connections, especially within the realm of mental health relationships and love. Um, And so today we'll be having a heart-to-heart conversation with her about the topic of romantic relationships um, and, yeah, with a commitment to basically understanding the human heart and mind in the context of romantic relationships. To start, um, I feel like when we talk about relationships, we typically kind of think of like the honeymoon phase and like romance. I think realistically that like honeymoon phase is only like the first stage of the relationship as we know so how do we um this might be like a challenging question to start but what do you think is uh, a factor to kind of sustain that kind of feeling and if like is it is realistic at all to expect relationship has like a really long honeymoon phase Mm. oh that's a pretty difficult question (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think that a honeymoon phase won't last forever like by definition, like, it's a new thing, and a thing being new will wear off after, a, a, at some point eventually, right? Like, I think what you mean is how do you kind of maintain that effort that you put in, in, like, the first X months of a new relationship? And I think it's by just continuing to put in that effort and not kind of make it routine, which I feel like is the mark of, like, the end of the honeymoon phase, when it kind of becomes your life and not, like, a new thing you're experiencing. Yeah, I agree. I think like well, from what I've heard, some people like they kind of experience a really, really long honeymoon phase. Like it could be like an arbitrary number of months, but like based on behavioral science, um, people generally say like honeymoon phase lasts three to six months of like intense passion, intense romance. But usually like after six months, it kind of um, it dies down and people because they have like gotten to know each other more on like a deeper level. So then they act more like themselves like without like rosy colored lenses and trying to like that subconscious desire to impress the other person and Mm -hmm. so you act more like yourself right yeah um so i guess like that's when the honeymoon phase will typically wear off but then i've also heard that like people 
very very long-term marriages and relationships they also have the couples just know how to sustain and maintain that honeymoon phase for a longer period of time and I really wonder what that secret sauce is actually <laughs> yeah yeah I guess I have heard you just keep trying to keep things fresh and doing new activities together and it just always feels new but um I don't know for me it's like sometimes you don't know enough about a person at the beginning and then you have this like <laughs> vision uh, or like um, you don't see any of their flaws yet at the beginning too <laughs> or you don't see them as perhaps a real person and that's when it might be like the biggest <laughs> that is a good point i think some on both sides like you might have like you said the rose tinted glasses towards somebody but at the same time the other person also could be like maybe like just generally being like over the top, not really the true selves until later on, which might not be the same person you met, I guess. And I think like there's like another term as well called limerence, mm-hmm. which um, I guess listeners who don't really know limerence, I'm also not an expert on this, but I think it's like this like intense passion and feeling towards someone that it kind of dictates and like controls your cognitive functioning in a way that you feel mesmerized and infatuated with that person. It's essentially infatuation. Yeah. And then it's messier than that. Like, yeah. That's what okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have just said infatuation. I don't know why I went on like that. <laughs> it's just one that sounds smart, guys. Yeah, like, I, like infatuation, I think, is... I also feel like when you're in your early 20s, like mm-hmm. when you're still like kind of to all those like romance and mm. like relationship lovey-dovey kind of stuff yeah. that hits you also harder like it's different now like it's, it doesn't hit us that hard anymore yeah <laughs> yeah we're in reality now <laughs> i think yeah as early 20s if you haven't dated that much it's like everything you've learned is from like all the dramas the romantic movies and stuff like that yeah. it's all like very surface level yeah. and then you're hit with reality in your late 20s yeah. yeah yeah i feel like in media at least that's a good point like they don't really talk about the things that actually do matter in real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they kind of do, but the things that they don't talk about, like things that are, are small and romantic, from like not related to a relationship, but are related to like compatibility. Like, where do you want to? Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in like five years, ten years? Like, what are your thoughts on like money, family, a bunch of other things? Like, mm-hmm. it, I guess it is nice yeah. to be focused on like the love of like. The love affair of it all which is why like young love is nice but yeah, yeah as we're, we're not like well okay we're young but now we're not like young young you know what I mean? yeah yeah i think like just to kind of piggyback off yeah. what you said i think it's also as you grow older as you have more experience you start to take into consideration more factors mm-hmm. that could yeah. potentially pivot and steer uh, the relationship in different directions yeah. and yeah i think like you just become more thoughtful considerate and probably wiser and yeah. like, more experienced yeah. as you try to navigate relationships. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, relationships in like high school or college, it's all like puppy love a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you don't have to worry about so many things. And like, like in your late 20s, it's it's more like, oh, you're looking for partnership. Yeah, not just, yeah, you're looking for partnership, not just, not just love. Feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of like segues into like our Maybe next question is like navigating milestones per se. Like for example, like people generally celebrate maybe like six months a year, which is like anniversary, Valentine's. Like everybody like kind of has different. They highlight and they emphasize on these milestones differently, and so 
yeah, do you have like any stories to share in, in regards to like how how you kind of weigh these different milestones in your personal mm-hmm. relationships? I guess I see it as like just taking time out to like appreciate each other and great being grateful and like um, just celebrating it. I feel like it's kind of arbitrary, but you can set you can like celebrate like any of these milestones. Yeah. Similar to yeah. like finishing a sprint and <laughs> You're right, it is very arbitrary. Like anniversaries just like birthdays don't really mean anything like in the grand scheme of things, but it's like it's a reminder of like why you're there, like of like the bond that you have. And it's like an anniversary might be a night to like to spend with each other, same with Valentine's Day. It's like fun to like celebrate the bond mm-hmm. itself. Which yeah. I think is nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess even if even though it's arbitrary, it's like that's what makes life meaningful too. Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> to, I feel yeah, like it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about like like to basically celebrate and um, kind of do different stuff together that actually mm. freshens up the relationship. Like you're actually creating these events mm. and shared memories and bonds together, so that you actually would yeah like create more shared experiences and so it like kind of sustains or um, keeps that honeymoon phase or um yeah, yeah like that mm-hmm. um affectionate feeling toward each other for longer yeah. Yeah. Of time. i think it's a great way to like delight the other person and make you each other happy and like make them feel appreciated <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. like yeah employee of the month kind of thing yeah. It's you again. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it feels good to be recognized. That's true. Actually, I think it's like that is something that is um kind of overlooked sometimes. That you actually need to be like gratitude sometimes needs to be verbally expressed. And it's just like I think a lot of times mm. maybe if you're like your natural love language isn't words of affirmation, but your partner's love language mm-hmm. maybe words of affirmation yeah. and you kinda have to sometimes like cave into their love language preference yeah. right and actually mm-hmm. express your gratitude i guess like this is a good time to maybe bring in like love yeah. language i guess like personally i can share like what my order of um preferences are like i thrive on words of affirmation so mm-hmm. like whenever someone says nice to, things to me like not even just in the context of relationships like even at the workplace like i feel like i need to be recognized to feel like um actually appreciated and that I will actually work harder in that way because like I don't like feeling invisible almost so yeah like I feel like that kind of applies not just in relationships but like all other aspects of life as well but yes in the context of relationship like I would really really appreciate if like my partner can say nice things like and actually express their gratitude and that would actually make them love them more I wouldn't think it's cringe because people who don't really like words of affirmation they think it's like cringe maybe when it comes to love languages like it's probably important that like your love language preferences are aligned but when it's not that's okay too it's just like you need to maybe understand yeah. your partner's love language and so you can mm-hmm. actually tailor it to them yeah that's a good point yeah i guess uh that's the helpful thing with like these traditions too i feel like for example like going on a date once a week if your love language is like quality time or even I don't know, acts of service or something like that, planning a date. Um, yeah, building that into a routine so that you're not like deprived or like under <laughs> uh, loved. Um, mm. and, yeah, yeah, kind of rolls them all into one. I think. 
Yeah. 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 Thinking about it, I'm not sure what my top love language is actually. I would say. I feel like everyone、uh, needs like all five. I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure what this would be categorized as, but I feel like I don't really need it. But if somebody goes out of their way to do something that would like help me,、mm-hmm. that's like it's just active service.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that, was, or that would mean a lot to me. And of course, there's other like physical. Like there's, they're all fundamental, but one of them stands out. I guess it's like if you would sacrifice something to help me out, like that means a lot. Okay.、Um, So like like let's say like a scenario where like you were super swamped at work and super stressed out and then like you had your dishwasher filled with all these dirty dishes、yeah. and then like your partner noticed that and then like did the like started the dishwasher like you probably feel really、yeah. loved and grateful because they noticed that right yeah and then、okay. you want to like reciprocate that right like oh yeah, nice, yeah yeah totally yeah. I think I would appreciate that as well. Also, I think it changes depends on depending on how、mm-hmm. much of what you get. Like, if you never get physical touch, it'll probably、mm-hmm. still become your number one thing that you need because、mm-hmm. you're just not getting it.、Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you think like maybe like if we last one, and during like a particular period, and then like maybe that would be like the priority for、yeah. that period because like we've been loved and all other. So it maybe like changes from time to time. Like, yeah, exactly. Acts of service when we're stressed, and the physical touch when we're like sad. Exactly.、Like、yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I wonder if it's like, oh, what when you were growing up, like what you're used to as well, and then like, well, for me, it's like in adulthood, like,、uh, well, growing up, like my parents did a lot of like acts of service and things like that, and then growing up, like, oh, I might, like now that I'm independent, it's like I lack it now, <laughs> and then yeah, good enough. True.、Like. Yeah. So maybe providing that for yourself might be important as well. True. Yeah. Yeah, I think like like if you think of love language, it's like oh your partner has to deliver.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually really good for emotional maturity and growth to、mm-hmm. like to actually know what your、yeah. love language is and love yourself the same way.、Mm-hmm. True,、Definitely、I think yeah, if you rely on your partner, maybe not. Of course, you should like expect love from them, but if、mm-hmm. your happiness depends on them doing certain things and you're not happy yourself, I feel like that's that's where it gets like more like codependency than like. Two independent、mm, yeah. people in a relationship who choose to be in a relationship with each other.、Yeah. I think I so. Yeah, I've heard of like this analogy like a long time ago. I might not be saying this super accurately, but it's basically saying like if you're in irregular shape yourself, where you haven't really smoothened your edges, like,、um, and then you find someone else to like maybe like you have a dent, and then you find someone else who's Like just able to fill that dent,、mm-hmm. like basically complete you to be like a perfect shape or whatever shape that you want to be. You can feel happy about like finding that right partner, but you're not able to move forward because like both of you don't have like haven't smoothened your edges、mm-hmm. yet.、Mm-hmm. So you can't be moving together. You're just like kind of stuck、yeah. in that like state. Whereas if you have worked on yourself and like you know smoothen your edge and become like a ball,、mm-hmm. and then you find someone else who's also kind of moving along this path, but also another ball, and then you're just like able to you're rolling together <laughs> down this hill. Oh, it's a downward. Oh, like like it's easy. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>、oh, cool. yeah, I agree with that. It's like、um, also I think like if you're come from a lack, like you want someone to fulfill your needs. 
once your needs are met, you kind of no longer need them. Or like it biases who you look for in a partner. It's like you're looking for someone to fulfill your needs rather than looking for like a genuine connection or growing together. True. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. Like, companionship. You might even overlook red flags if you just need this thing from somebody. Yeah. 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 It could also like stem from loneliness, right? Like mm, you just want true. someone there because you can't really stand being alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like there's definitely that distinct difference between like loneliness and being alone as well. Like you can be alone, but like you don't feel lonely. Mm-hmm. But then like when you're not even like alone like you when you're surrounded by people you can still feel lonely so like there's that nuance there as well and i think like i was reading this book called um eight rules of love by jay shetty and yeah like you would know um because like we love reading this type of um, love and self-help books but it was basically saying like um talking about like the rules of and the path to find love and the first step was literally to like obviously i i come from like a place of just like loving these topics and but I'm just regurgitating what I read uh, not legal advice here but um like the first step is to basically enjoying solitude before you find love and I think like that's actually pretty true because you have to know how to love yourself first right and like when you're alone and when you are um when you can find solace in solitude that's when you know how to love yourself and then before you love others and expect others to love you, like you have to learn self-love and self-compassion. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, otherwise you do fall into that codependency yeah. model. Exactly. Yeah, you really have to be happy by yourself. Yeah. I mean, you have to be perfect, I think, but you should be emotionally self-sufficient, I think. Yeah. Because I think, like, these things are definitely, like, great to learn. Because, like, I feel like I've always struggled, never knew these terms of, like, you know, like, codependency. I didn't even know that I was in these, like, Uh situations. Mm, Like, how do you actually, like, identify these patterns and recognize that you are, like, actually in Mm. these Mm. um, toxic relationships or codependent relationships? And then maybe, like, recover from them so that you prevent yourself from going. I think a lot of times people, there's like some innate feeling you'll feel regardless of whether you have the vocabulary to express it or not. Yeah. And that's probably the first step, like understanding like what it is you're feeling. And if you actually know what you're feeling, kind of like getting out of that as your comfort zone, because now you're like kind of in deep, right? And it's kind of like once you're in a codependent situation, it's hard to escape from that, I guess. Like, because it's, it, it's work to drive yourself out of that emotionally and be on your, your own again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also feel like you kind of get into these, like, maybe bad relationships until you learn <laughs> these lessons of what it actually is a healthy relationship and then you end up in a healthy relationship, you know? Like, especially if you maybe grew up with not the best relationship with your parents or you don't know what um, a super healthy relationship looks like or, like... Um, yeah, being in tune with your feelings and mm. everything, then you bring that, it, you go into relationships and you're like, oh, this is normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Also, like, familiar. I guess, like, it's when it hurts enough for you, 
and then that kind of instigates mm. change from within rather than like actually someone else telling hey you're like in your toxic relations because like yeah. when yeah. we always <laughs> overlook those red flags <laughs> some lessons i feel like you just have to learn yeah like nobody can like, I think so. anybody like people can tell you exactly what situation you're in and you can mm-hmm. just hear that and we'll just go one in and one year out the other like yeah you just yeah. have like to go through some things and then you'll know better yeah yeah. yeah yeah i think we just gotta go through it to be honest i feel like everything does happen for a reason though yeah. like you look for certain things that feel familiar to you or yeah <laughs> i mean so yeah. for some people it's not the case for some people like they had like their parents have like amazing marriages like loving marriages and then they kind of already know what the model is but for like a lot of people like that's not the case right so. yeah yeah i think it's really easy to model your parents um interaction yeah. and dynamic like your own kind of family dynamics if yeah. you've witnessed so much of it growing up like even if you like resented it growing up i feel like it's subconsciously you still like have adopted and modeled those behaviors and like that's why like a lot of people that i've talked to feel like even though they feel like they're grown-ups now like they still feel like they're mirroring their parents behaviors or that they've become the person that they don't want to become which are like Mm. their parents and i feel like in some ways i've also modeled a lot of um behaviors and like especially in my past relationships as well like i i feel like i've had a lot of codependent um patterns in my relationships because i had a codependent relationship with my mom and so it was like very very just natural for me to kind of cave into those like tendencies yeah i think yeah yeah maybe like you need to kind of go back in time and solve your inner child and family traumas as well mm-hmm. to identify to actually like acknowledge that you have this pattern yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah i think our parents do influence us so much and it also comes in like the people that you look for too some people that you meet just that just feel so familiar to you and you feel so comfortable with them it's it's usually because like oh something traits about them reminds you of your parents or yeah yeah. um yeah it's like that inner radar that like you're not aware of but then it's like oh this first person feels very familiar yeah i am yeah exactly i'm gonna fall in love with them because (laughs) they feel like family yeah Yeah. i think so or even there's friends that i've had that like we got super close super fast and it was because like oh um like sibling wise they they have a younger sibling and um i have an older sibling and then the dynamic somehow somehow just feels really familiar to both of us and then Mm. we became close really quickly yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. have you ever thought like maybe that like you're close friends like it doesn't even have to be like a partner (laughs) or um your girlfriend or boyfriend like it can be like just like a friend who feels like who resembles like a member of your family member oh that was that feels that, like that family feels... after a while or that you can like map one to one this person just like this person. more like the latter could hmm. like maybe you got really close with them because they gave off this vibe or like feeling that kind of resembles their dynamic with like a really close family member have you ever thought of it this way no i haven't but I also we think about it this way. I don't That's think so. I <laughs> <laughs> now I'm curious to hear your answer. I don't think so. Okay. 
for yeah <laughs> go ahead <laughs> um yeah like like that sibling thing like uh with my friend jasmine like she reminded me of my older sister and i reminded her of her younger sister and we just became friends so fast because it filled that gap that was kind of missing oh, after we've grown into adulthood and moved out of our house and stopped like <laughs> communicating as much with our siblings and stuff like that it just felt oh. super familiar really quickly and she's also like asian and very traditional and things like that something just felt really comfortable or like we were on the same page for a lot of things and um even in terms of <laughs> dating sometimes i look for traits or subconsciously look for traits that are similar to my parents like maybe <laughs> traders or um, maybe they're from um a part of china <laughs> i don't know sometimes like it just feels very familiar so the familiar and then, and then the, yeah i guess so I and like i guess a deep trust or understanding almost yeah yeah i think it's that fundamental layer of like, mm, trust true it just like it just mm. builds quicker um, yeah compared to like with someone that you like have mm. no similarities yeah um and then bonds right? yeah yeah i guess if you understand quicker, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. if you understand them really well you can like get close much faster yeah that's true mm-hmm. that's true that's really interesting now I'm going to be thinking about it like much later. Has, has it triggered any revelations? No. No. I, well, at least not yet. Like, yeah. a lot of people I'm close to, like, for years and years, like, are not like my family at all. But not, to me, in a bad way, but just, like, they're, but they, I know them for so long, they kind of feel like, when I think, I think of them the same zone in my brain as, like, family, but not quite family, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like you know them for so long, it's like it, like you forget, you start to forget when you didn't know them, mm. and that's what it's like. Hey, like, it's more than friends, but not. I wouldn't, like, I don't think of them as like in the same way as my siblings, though, because it's also very different. Mm. Yeah. Or sometimes it's 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 just whatever feels familiar too. Like sometimes it's like, oh, maybe you've had this best friend growing up uh, that was a particular had all these traits, particular traits, and then in adulthood when you meet someone. So, like with those traits or from that background you're like oh i understand it really well and mm-hmm. it feels really familiar and comfortable that's actually a really good point because it kind of provokes the question of like why we pick our partner sometimes or why do we like why are we attracted to certain people and why do we maybe like if some people have like a checklist of criteria and people that they're looking for like why do they have why do they look for these certain traits but like not the other? I feel like there must be like a reason behind that, and that reason could be, oh, it's like either f- like that they're trying to find familiarity in like what they're familiar with growing up, or that they something that they lacked growing up and that they want in themselves, but they won't kind of want to project it onto their partner, and like maybe their partner is able to fulfill some sort of like inner desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have like checklists in the past. Oh yeah. I I don't know. I feel like I don't know if I agree with that approach anymore. I feel like it comes from a really naive (laughs) approach to dating, where like I guess I didn't. Maybe I didn't even. I didn't have that much dating experience, perhaps. Where I feel like, oh, if someone fit all these uh, all these box within this box, then it would work out. But it's it's not. It's so much more complex than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or I think no, I, I would think it's wrong to have some sort of checklist. Like, 
Red flags you won't you won't tolerate for whatever mm -hmm. reason or like mm -hmm. things you want in a partner. Boundaries. Oh, I do yeah. think though that a longer list will probably make it harder to, or a longer list of hard no's will make it hard to find somebody generally. But there is like some fundamental set of things that you just need to have. Otherwise, you just won't be fulfilled in that partner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if identifying what those fundamental things are, I think is a lot. It's a huge part of like finding the right partner. Can you give some like yeah. examples of like what those fundamental things might be? Like on like a is it more like on like an emotional level or like a physical level or mm -hmm. spiritual level? Or is it like oh, wow. boundaries? Like I won't tolerate yeah. physical abuse. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. That's your goal. Let's say like you should not tolerate physical abuse, right? I mean, that's like right. emotional abuse, whatever, something like that. Mm -hmm. But things like like you said, like your approach to life. Like some people might be like really high achieving, want to like strive to do more, do the most. Some people might be more chill, like Epicurean people, just want to like chill and enjoy life. That might. I mean. That may or may not be a fundamental thing to you, but it could be. Or maybe like one person wants to live here, do these kind of things, and you just don't want to do that. Or you're, or not yet at least. So you need to figure out like, is that something that's fundamental to you or not? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I've also been finding that it's like sometimes our subconscious or our like gut or how we feel, our excitement, our level of excitement like tells us way more than like trying to map it out like logic logically i think historically i've been a very <laughs> logic first type of person um but yeah like our subconscious actually factors in everything and then tells you through your level of excitement when talking about someone or mm. um yeah your, your willingness or desire to see someone again and again and again or yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah there's so that. much more beyond a checklist think, yeah, yeah like, that's what you think you would want but yeah yeah i think like there's like i agree with that like, there's nothing wrong about like keeping a checklist so that you actually like maybe like won't give up on some boundaries and deal breakers that you have but like it's yeah maybe um giving some like you know wiggle room and leeway for some of those criteria would be good like maybe you don't need someone who's like over six five six feet five <laughs> or someone who's like you know a gym rat and works in this particular industry and like makes over 150k and like you know yada 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 like those super like detailed specific criteria um but yeah like you know like things like um that you must share the same values um, yeah. who is like willing to work hard for their dreams and um, that they have done some sort of inner work um, so that you know like you can grow together like I think those would be the types of things to look for rather than like you know like really specific and really um, quantitative type of measures and then feeling based versus like logic mm -hmm. and head yeah. first right I definitely agree with that I yeah. think like sometimes your gut just like knows I sometimes feel like your gut like factors in all of these criteria yeah. like yeah. the values and stuff like that yeah. when there's alignment you're like really excited or yeah. like about something yeah, yeah. that's true there's some kind of like underlying impetus to want to be closer to that person yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder what it is. Is it really the familiarity and the resemblance of a family member? <laughs> no, I don't know if it's anything. Yeah, so. again. <laughs> Daddy issues. No, no, I'm feeling comfortable, feeling happy with someone. I don't know. Yeah. Shared values, compatibility. Yeah. Psychological I don't know. Safety, not, a lot of yeah. things, yeah. I'm sure yeah. That's, not, that's not the only factor. That's true. <laughs> also, a lot of times, like, when you're initially attracted to someone, it's, like, still kind of surface level. It's, like, you're attracted to them based on but like when you start talking maybe like you find out that you're probably incompatible because you don't share the same family yeah. so like yeah true mm-hmm. yeah i think in most at least modern relationships like lust is the initial mm-hmm. trigger but then you actually talk to people and then figure out then the, the logical part of your brain starts to kick in <laughs> it's like okay mm-hmm. what do you actually work out like in a long-term situation mm-hmm. so. yeah yeah, that's why, like, I, I used to be very anti-dating apps because, like, I felt like it was very, very surface level. You're just, like, swiping yeah. based on, like, you know, people's looks. But then, like, I feel like you can't really overlook that, right? Like, yeah. the, the initial like, attraction is, like, yeah. important. And, and it does, like, ask as, like, a, a catalyst for deeper connection as well could be because you get to, yeah like, talk to many people and, like, just try it out. Yeah. Like, You're right. Before. Like, it is the initial catalyst. Like, it's not, like... Like the personality and the compatibility is important and it matters, but attraction also matters. Like it's not like it doesn't matter. And it's like it's not morally wrong to think it wouldn't work out because you're just not attracted to somebody. Even if they have like the perfect personality, like mm-hmm. attraction is also part of like the spectrum of like things you would need from somebody to feel fulfilled yourself in that relationship. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 But I don't think it's always shallow. There's like a lot of objectively good-looking celebrities that you would <laughs> think is attractive, but you're not attracted to them, right? True. Sometimes exactly. it's also the vibe and yeah. the way they speak. It's it's much more than yeah. just looks, you know. Yeah, attractive is very subjective. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, are you guys on dating apps? By the way, I dread the thought of having to make things like a hinge. Oh, you have never used hinge. Never used hinge. Any dating apps? I used Tinder. I used Tinder like. But not like recently. That was like way back. In the day. That was back when it was like very primitive. But now I hear anecdotes about how it's like more complicated and everything. It's like there's so many different options. It's like it seems like I like almost like going to the career fair and just throwing your resume <laughs> it's like the the resume bin, not talking to a recruiter. That's what it. That's what it sounds like. Oh to me. yeah. That's a good analogy. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's okay. I think you go to every house party possible. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to every recruiter. <laughs> I think there's definitely mixed reviews. Some people like it, some people don't. Like some people like that optionality mm-hmm. of being exposed to different like more opportunities. Some people like hate it because like it doesn't it's like very surface level shadow. Um, you know, like, yeah. I guess it's like yeah. how you perceive it as yeah. well, and also, also like, just, yeah. like fulfill a certain need. Yeah, um, misaligned incentives probably too. Like, mm. not everybody on the mm. here is here for the same reason, right? So it's like, like you could find the perfect person on paper and maybe talk, even talk to them, and it seems alright, but then you're not even like looking for the same thing. So it's like another. Like, there's so many. It sounds like there's so many layers where things could go wrong. And I think people get frustrated with that. How have you been like kind of navigating those challenges on dating apps? And it doesn't have to be like hinge specific or like Tinder specific. How do you actually like 
because there are so many different types of people and like different intentions. I guess like the algorithm kind of does it for you based on like the people that you swipe mm. on and swipe left on. Um, That's true. Like, but what this, are some yeah. of the? Okay. Yeah, I was just like curious. What are some of like the ways for you to kind of ensure that like you're, um, maybe like align on certain intentions, incentives to find the right person. Mm. I think it takes like knowing yourself really well too mm. to like know what to look for. Um, I think maybe I've been more careless with my time in the past. <laughs> or if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, then you would need to, I don't know, discover <laughs> and yeah. meet people to understand what you like and what you don't like. But um, I think if you know yourself really well, then you don't waste your time and um, you'll know the things to look for, the things to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess if you're on a dating app, you should probably be like really opinionated about like what you like and what you don't like, yeah. and then not really put too much stock in it. Like you're using it, maybe maybe something good will come out of it. Something good will come out of it, but if nothing happens, like it's not the end of the world. I guess like yeah, like it shouldn't be your entire dating world. I guess yeah, yeah. yeah. I think also like a lot of people um, like believe they have a certain type too, but like. In practice is very different. But in practice is yeah. really different and they don't actually get along. Yeah. And it's like they look at their friends and none of their friends are that type of person. Like with like yeah. like why what makes you think you would get along with this type of person, this very oddly specific type of person yeah. if you don't have a single friend like that? Yeah. You're like a mosaic of like the five closest people around you, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I guess like one thing I think I am personally concerned about and like I've heard other people complain is that like when you go in these conversations or like dates like with so much intention it feels like it's a little bit suffocating and it's like a lot of pressure on the other person as well because it's almost like a job interview right like are you going to pass this interview (laughs) with this person it's a phone screen yeah And it's like a lot of pressure actually. And I feel like like dating should just naturally progress and like like blossom into yeah. something more beautiful instead of like, you know, trying to actually Yeah, it kind like, of kills it's like yeah, it kills the, the vibe a little bit. It's like yeah. you should nurture it rather than like yeah. trying to expedite or Yeah, it seems yeah, like very all or nothing. The, the, the progress, yeah. Like it's either either it feels like really uptight and the spontaneity is gone. Or you meet somebody, maybe you like them, but because it was so uptight and like so focused on the dating aspect, you probably missed out. Like the failure mode is you probably never see this person again. Mm-hmm. And set up, you become good friends with somebody you could have been good friends with. But because it was so focused on like this date and everything, mm-hmm. it just like there was no room to explore a good friendship after, even though you might not be romantically compatible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So then you just feel. So after that experience, like instead of gaining connection, you just like are left with nothing. Yeah, it's like you're like mm-hmm. only looking for love and you don't like accept anything else. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which I guess is like one of the challenges of dating apps. Like, I don't know, do you do you agree? Or do you feel like um people should just like, you know like it, it guess, should be just like interview. I guess like that uh, also works. I guess as long as it meets a basic bar of what you're looking for, the rest should be like being in very present in the moment and seeing where things go rather than trying to control being 
like having uh, so much hold, <laughs> chokehold on it, or yeah. is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah. life is pretty random sometimes. It's almost like um, you're going on the apps and trying to look for, oh, your best friend. Like, how hard was it? How hard is it to find a new best friend from scratch? Yeah. Like, <laughs> best friend took like years yeah. to develop. That's true. <laughs> and like so many different uh, scenarios and like just continuously seeing each other and wanting to talk talk over and over again always wanting to connect yeah. with each other yeah you gotta let yeah things fall naturally i think so like i think there was like i've once heard of a podcast say like in order to be friends with someone you need to spend at least 40 hours or something with them wow. um in total at, like that's a threshold to become actually sorry an acquaintance with them you need to spend really at does. least 40 hours wow. and then to be a friend it's like double that or like a little bit over double of the 40. Mm-hmm. um yeah and like that's, that's long. long. <laughs> yeah and i did actually i could probably count like like there's like under 10 people i spent 40 hours with. yeah so i feel like based on what you said about like you know just if you want to foster a deeper connection you probably actually need to just spend more time Mm. to be honest that would require a long time and it's not just based on like a few interactions online or like a few dates where like i feel like it has become the norm and the expectation these days to like have already know the answer whether you'll be like compatible or like get get along in the long term just based on a few interactions Mm. which i feel like is a little bit of an unrealistic expectation like humans need time (laughs) yeah yeah build that exactly. layer of trust layer of and, connection yeah and you're still finding out about each other's values and what they care about and their long-term vision yeah. it's like yeah it is like picking a random person off the street and being like oh i want to be my best friend <laughs> and yeah. like trying to force it to happen yeah, yeah. you gotta yeah. see if it'll happen we're in two totally different social circles two totally different like that does happen sometimes or maybe not best friends but you make friend like in an instant randomly yeah yeah yeah. maybe it's like if it's like a friend's friend i feel like that's the easiest because you already know you have shared values that's when it happens quickest i feel like yeah yeah Yeah, definitely you also can't force things either like you can't just be like oh like we we believe on like we share different values and beliefs on different stuff like for example like you like to eat sweet stuff and then i hate to eat like i don't have sweet tooth like you and then like try to force each other to kind of like mm-hmm. uh, take on each other's stuff and that also doesn't work so yeah which i guess like on the flip side of like what you, i said before like it's also okay to maybe like not continue that connection or interaction yeah. anymore after you find out that you don't really click on certain things but what are some of the things that you think like because you talked about previously like oh you have to know what you like and what you don't like and what your values are and what your deal breakers are like what are some of the things for you guys like maybe like if you can share like your process of finding out what those things are oh for yourself for yourself i think for me it's just like okay like 10 20 years from now think about the life you want to live mm-hmm. and what does that mean like what is what kind of person you are at that point and what kind of life do you envision yourself living who do you see as your partner in that scenario and what mm-hmm. would they bring to your life mm-hmm. and that's usually that's usually like your innate desire 
or if, like the fundamental things you probably wanted somebody else I guess for me it's to find out sometimes I like maybe even think about the people that in my life that uh what what values they have what type of people do I respect or what do they do or what qualities they have and then like um also understanding a lot about myself and my past experiences what has worked in relationships what hasn't I guess a lot of it is like trial and error but also like mm -hmm. just like uh seeing what resonates with you what type of people do you typically gravitate towards and making a list perhaps <laughs> yeah um just understand yourself better yeah that actually might be being a criteria like to make a list of the things you liked mm -hmm. even if it didn't work out it's like what do you like from this like just... yeah yeah or the and qualities then... of your best friends true mm -hmm. definitely important to like kind of um like maybe reflect and journal um, from time to time to kind of understand what your own preferences are and then I think like you really agree with the try and error part I feel like you sometimes really don't know what you want especially if you're like yeah. someone with like like no strong convictions perhaps um, that it might take some time for you to kind of figure out what you like versus what you don't like and I think like I also sometimes I've t been told not to do this but like I do sometimes like for people that I've like gone on dates with um, or that people like I feel like I was maybe attracted to like I would list out it's like kind of like a pros and cons list like things that I like about them versus like what I don't like about them and then so like over time I would like find out some patterns and themes across those um, so that like from that I would know like what I want to be looking for mm -hmm. in uh, an ideal partner yeah I think so yeah regarding the long-term thing though uh there was a a concept I read from like Jay Shetty's book Eight Rules of Love yeah um that I really liked it was about like when you have a partner you should try to figure out what each other's long-term purpose is or mission in life or dreams oh. and like trying to help each other fulfill each other's dreams otherwise That's if, nice. yeah, yeah because like um if you don't then they might resent you <laughs> or like if you get in the way of their dreams um, then, yeah, uh, then they might resent you for life. Um, but I guess it makes it easier if you guys have a shared vision yeah. of the future, for example, building a family together. Exactly. Yeah. And then, I don't know, it becomes more purposeful, perhaps, the relationship. Truth, but... <laughs> uh, Just bring it back a little bit. How do you find the love? <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> I guess, like, the million-dollar question comes down to how do you actually find love? And fortunately, a lot of people just think of love as like, oh, finding that right person and finding that right company to be with. But I feel like I see love as something that is like a almost like a biological desire for everyone to just like naturally want to love. And it doesn't have to be like you can love your pets, you can love um, your family, your friends and um, you can love like a partner um, romantically, of course, but I feel like there are just so many nuances of love. Like traditionally, I think like growing up, I've always viewed love as like, oh yeah, boyfriend, girlfriend, and then like um, husband and wife. But as society has progressed, like as as this world is becoming more and more open-minded, um, there's like LGBTQ plus communities, um, and then there's also a bit more open and liberal extent. There's like polyamorous love, um, and 
Yeah, I just feel like there are so many nuances of love, and it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be confined to just romantic, like one-on-one dating kind of context and setting. Yeah, I think that the way in which you do feel that self-actualization fulfillment in a relationship, but the parameters have changed. So there's more options to get that kind of feeling. Yeah, we don't know the answer. We're not. Yeah, we're not we can. Sure we can like. <clears throat> we can posit what the answer is, but I guess. I guess the answer is different for everybody. Like, mm-hmm. just like you mentioned, like there's no one right answer. There's no one size fits yeah. all, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I guess sometimes you like if you lack it in childhood or something, you might go your whole life searching for it in like yeah. a partner, like a like it's almost as if a partner is guaranteed to be there. But it's also in friendships as well. Like I've wanted a level of depth with a partner, but I feel like. Um, like with a best friend, for example, like sharing so many years and so many contexts and different cities, different like stages of your life. And I don't know, yeah. you get that with yeah. friendship as well. And it's kind of what you've been looking for. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Sometimes, like even this might be kind of countering what we talked about before, which is like being okay with solitude and being okay with like lonely, being um, alone. I guess like ultimately it does like, like it would be nice to have, like just have some sort of company right it doesn't yeah. have to be like you know super romantic type of love like it depends on what you're looking for for yourself as well like so that's why this answer can kind of vary depending on the person true <laughs> and i guess i mean like it's just kind of cynical take but it's like in the absolute sense right like it is harder for some people to find love than other people mm-hmm. like and the same advice that work for some person is more like a bitter pill for somebody else. You know, it's like, because like the world is so chaotic, it is nice to have that somebody, some other entity in the world that shows to care about you. That's nice. I think a lot of us, like humans can kind of relate on a universal level that like we crave emotional intimacy, connection. I think that's like a universally shared desire and like feeling yeah maybe like this i think like this has been discussed before like that love could just be like a social construct um of um just wanting that That like emotional yeah yeah, connection and intimacy Mm. perhaps it's like maybe about like learning partnerships like how to um because like else because like if we think about all of like the settings um that we've kind of placed ourselves in like whether it's like in your workplace um and then like and then you also have your home right Mm -hmm. and you probably you have partnerships at work but then you also might need partnerships at home as well and that partner so to speak can maybe fill that role yeah and you think about your life 10 years now like sometimes that vision of your life like it requires a partner to even get that far in the first place. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it does feel depressing to think that she would never have somebody to like lean on later in life, right? Yeah, especially when you're coming in the whole life and like, <laughs> um, I guess this is a bit of a depressing scenario to think about. But like, like when you get older, as you get older, as you age, like you're friends start to like you know disappear and and um yeah. your your 
children start to venture off on their own and then you come home mm-hmm. here and home here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. Like, and that's when like partners probably become increasingly more important. I guess I like to think life is more dynamic than that and you can like look for ways to be fulfilled. Like, oh, maybe you gone through a divorce, but then you got closer with your family members or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or you went through a breakup <clears throat> and then you're closer with your friends and you establish way stronger best friends in your life. And maybe you go to church and when you're like much older or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> life doesn't have to be. Yeah. Or you shouldn't be calcified in life. Like it shouldn't be. You should have the ability to make new connections no matter when, like how old you are. It's important. Yeah. It's very dynamic. (laughs) Finding communities um, to support you. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Susie, in closing, we, since you're our first guest, we wanted to ask you a question. Given this is the Growth Gradient podcast, in recent years, have you noticed in your own life areas of of growth? Like, where do you feel like you've grown the most? I think the biggest growth area for me um, is, I guess, in since I'm in my 20s, it is experiencing um, adulthood or like being fully independent as a person. I feel like I've often been someone who's like um, perhaps coddled at home or like my parents have had a great influence on my life. Um, and then I was in like long term relationships as well, uh, where I haven't truly experienced independence. And I feel like moving to New York and living in SF as well um, and traveling a lot, I've truly grown um, and established my own identity and being extremely introspective and understanding myself really well and spending a lot of time alone um, reading books and yeah, (laughs) getting to know myself as a person. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, that's super powerful. Thank you for coming to the episode. We really, truly had a fruitful conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy to be here. Hey there. Thank you for tuning into the Growth Gradient podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to stick around. Follow us on your go-to podcast platform. It really helps us a lot. If anything has piqued your interest, or if you've got some thoughts to share, don't be a stranger. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at the Growth Gradient. And if you know someone who can benefit from this podcast, feel free to share it with them. Remember, folks, growth isn't a race. It's a gentle uphill climb. Let's keep adding those inches together one step at a time.